Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. On the programme today, we're going more deeply into a story that made Manx Radio News headlines on Friday morning. And as we begin the four weeks of December that the church calls Advent, Richard Littledale is back with the first of four stories to take us to the very heart of Christmas. But first, let's have some music. There are some wonderful hymns for the season of Advent, this time of waiting for the coming of the Christ Child on Christmas Day. This is one of my favourites, and yours too, I hope. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This is a duet, Alex Jones singing with the recorded voice of his younger self. Yeah. 
Aled Jones duetting with his younger self and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Do you remember the year 1983? The internet was just five months old, but most people had never heard of it. We exchanged letters by post. Big businesses had telex. There were a few fax machines around, and if something was really urgent, you could still send a telegram. 1983 was also the year that a little business began in the loft of a two-bedroom semi-detached house in a Scottish village. Forty years later, that little business, AFD Software, has grown into a highly successful operation that specialises in helping organisations to improve the quality and efficiency of their contact address lists based around the most sophisticated use of postcode technology. That's why they're often called the postcode people. Last Thursday night, I was at their headquarters at Mountain View Innovation Centre on the Jerby Road near Ramsey, where they were celebrating 40 years of enterprise and also winning Business of the Year at the recent Isle of Man Awards for Excellence. And company directors David and Alison Doricott chose to link those celebrations to their annual charity event. The generosity of this company is legendary. Each year, AFD Software gives away substantial amounts of money to local and global charities. And as the directors give full credit to their staff for working hard to make the company so successful, the AFD team are invited to nominate the charities who receive donations. All this is directly in line with one of the company's main objectives, which is to generate profits and use them creatively in the relief of suffering, the improvement of society and furtherance of the Christian gospel. But I don't think anyone was quite prepared for the astonishing level of generosity announced at this year's charity event. A total of £3.2 million is being given away. Around £1 million of those pounds is being shared between around 80 local and global charities nominated by AFD's staff. And the other £2.2 million? Directors David and Alison Doricott announced that it'll be used to buy an aircraft, a gift for the charity Mission Aviation Fellowship, which works globally, transforming the lives of people living in remote and isolated communities in around 24 countries. The plane that AFD Software is buying, a Cessna 208, will be used specifically in Papua New Guinea. Present at the charity event on Thursday night were Donovan Palmer, Chief Executive Officer of Mission Aviation Fellowship, and Joanna Roberts, Partnerships Manager at the charity. And after the announcement, they told me much more about the work they do and just how very significant this gift of a plane really is. MAF uses light aircraft to reach communities, villages that are inaccessible to the outside world and we enable many partner organisations to deliver development, education and medical care to millions of people. AFD Software has committed to buy the next plane for our program in Papua New Guinea, a donation worth $3.2 million. And this really strengthens our footprint of our humanitarian activities in this country where just a very small percentage of the country is served by roads. There are dirt tracks that are impassable and parts of the country have zero access at all. You literally have to walk in and out. And so communities are only served by the humanitarian work that we do. 
This Cessna 208 caravan it will be brand new off the production line of Cessna. Very exciting piece of technology in that respect. The nine passengers plus crew, but actually it's so much more than an aircraft in MAF's service. The seats can be removed for it to carry cargo, which could be a huge fridge carrying vaccines, a hardware store with building materials, perhaps to build a school. Sometimes, you know, this aircraft will be an ambulance. At another time, it will be a vital food delivery or a classroom or a pharmacy, a dentist clinic. So it's really endless, the impact that is made by an aircraft. There's no 999 in the countries MAF serves for the isolated people of these areas. But thanks to AFD software, there is MAF and there will be a plane that can mean the difference between life and death. The Cessna 208 caravan is the backbone of MAF's fleet and it's referred to as a workhorse of an aircraft because it's small enough to get into rough bush airstrips but it's tough enough to survive the experience and carry a useful payload. So it's been very, very carefully thought through and they've really given us the best of the best for the task and the mission. These airstrips have been put in by villagers with their own hands, taking, you know, many years to carve it out with hand tools. This is not a tarmac runway like you might see here on the Isle of Man. It is a a dirt strip. These planes are rugged and built for that. And our pilots fly in and out of these locations, obviously with a lot of skill because it's not your standard type of airport that you're flying into. The depth of the relationship that we've got with AFD is just a wonderful thing and that's why we're so overwhelmed. And in a world where there's a lot of sad and difficult stories, this is a good story. It's a story to go home and say, you know, there are some great things happening. Joanna, how do you recruit your pilots? Well, in many cases, actually, people have caught the vision early on in life. We have many pilots whose imagination was fired by seeing aircraft as a child, and they'd perhaps heard about MAF through their youth group or through their church. And in many cases, they've planned for years and years to join MAF. That has been the dream. And it may be that they've gone through other routes. They might have been a commercial pilot to gain that experience or served with the RAF or such like. But their vision and mission has often been finally to work for MAF as a pilot or an engineer of course always engineers are just as important and in fact there's a worldwide shortage of aviation engineers and so that's a a group of people that we're really really keen to recruit. Now this is a vital work but it's also very expensive how are you funded? MAF doesn't receive government funding usually. It's predominantly funded through our supporters around the country who very generously support the work of MAF, but also charitable trusts and foundations and, of course, supporters like AFD Software, who we're so grateful to, really deeply partner in the work of MAF faithfully for decades in AFD's case. This particular plane, what kind of terrain is it going to have to cope with in Papua New Guinea? Papua New Guinea is home to some of the most isolated communities on the planet, with 86% of the population living in rural and very mountainous jungle. Three in four rural villages have no access to reliable transport, and 14% rely entirely on aviation. So you can imagine the kind of impact that's going to make to these very cut-off and isolated villages. The aid that you provide is to people of all faiths and no faith. But yourself, is it your Christian faith that underpins your desire to do this? Yes, I mean, the vision of MAF is to see isolated people transformed by the love of Christ. And we want to be demonstration of God's love to very remote and isolated communities. But as you say, the the assistance that MAF brings is not conditional. It's uh, for all people of all faiths and none. 
Amazingly, this isn't the first big gift that AFD has given to Mission Aviation Fellowship. In 2008, to celebrate the company's 25th year in business, they bought a Kodiak aircraft that has worked for the last 15 years in Kalimantan in Borneo and, as Dominic Palmer explains, has become something of a legend. It has the most hours on its airframe as any Kodiak aircraft in its class, and so it's quite amazing how much good it's done, but it's also one of the, the leading aircraft in the world in terms of flight hours. And so a lot of things have changed, though, since then, and uh, AFD Software is, has been a UNESCO Biosphere Award winner in terms of their green initiatives as a company. And now it's translating through to this donation. One of the things that AFD Software wants to do is deploy green technology through this aircraft where we're installing solar panels into villages under our MAF tech division to help villages get connected, reduce their reliance on generators, and provide the technology they need so that they can be part of the global commerce of the world. And so uh, this is really exciting because this is an area that MAF wants to go more into. And so having a partner like AFD that is so enthusiastic about doing things that are better for the environment, we're, we're thrilled that they want to partner with us in this way. This digital divide is really a big issue. If people are going to get out of poverty, people often think about medicine, which is true, and educational materials. But really, technical connections through Wi-Fi are no longer a luxury. If you are going to be involved in commerce and a citizen of the earth, you have to gain access. And so this is now part of an essential element of helping isolated communities grow. What kind of a timescale are we looking at, Donovan? And the plane will be coming in about September of next year to the Isle of Man, eventually make its way over to Papua New Guinea. So this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see this aircraft because it will never return to the UK again to see it on its way for its mission. You know, this whole project really captivates the staff of MAF around the world because this is coming out of the Isle of Man, this plane, and there's already another plane. And I don't know of anywhere else in the world where there's been such a concentrated amount of support to launch two planes, uh, you know, and, and this time to another island. So as a global charity, you just want to say thank you to AFD Software for their support because it is a very special place for MAF, the Isle of Man is. Thank you to Dominic Palmer and Joanna Roberts of Mission Aviation Fellowship. As the excitement of Thursday evening died down, I had a chance to chat with Managing Director of the Postcode People, David Doricott. David started our conversation by reflecting on that first plane he bought for Mission Aviation Fellowship 15 years ago. You have to remember it's in the context of a report we've just all heard about what our donation 15 years ago has achieved how many hundreds of people are still alive, how much freight has been moved into inhospitable places, how much um, infrastructure has been built, how many medicines have been carried. So uh, the, the offer of a donation of a new aircraft is in the context of a very successful, what you might call high return on investment from 15 years ago. Well, that was your, your 25th anniversary gift back in 2008. Had you been thinking for some years that, that maybe another plane would be a good way to mark your 40th anniversary? No. But then uh, we uh, went to an event by MAF in Edinburgh that we didn't intend to go to, and uh, we heard the story of the need of the aircraft replacement fleet. Uh, aircraft do get older, and they need more maintenance. And what we want... Uh, is to think about the aircraft being available. If that call comes, you can't say, no, the aircraft's in the shed for three months. And it just makes such a lot of sense to standardise on one particular aircraft type, so all your parts, all your technical training, 
all your pilot training is on a universal platform. And we see that in the commercial airlines in the uh, British Isles where uh, EasyJet standardised on the Airbus, Ryanair standard on the Boeing 737 and MAF in Papua New Guinea anyway want to standardise on the Cessna. The Cessna has a lot of similarities to the Kodiak. It uh, runs on kerosene, the same as our jet planes do, easily to get, relatively inexpensive. Its maintenance cycles are easier because the parts are readily available and the aircraft is built to take what are really quite scary runways. Uh, Alison and I have had the privilege to fly our little Kodiak into the Borneo jungle where you have a river at one end and a hill at the other and a water buffalo wandering around in the grass. <laughs> so you, uh, you really need to take your hats off to these guys who do it day in, day out, year in, year out, serving the community sacrificially to themselves and to their family. We just want to get behind them and say, here's a starter. And of course, this is only the beginning of their new replacement programme. We hope it's a big encouragement to that programme. We hope a lot of other people will catch the vision when our aircraft comes to Britain and they get to see it. Maybe they will also be prompted, not necessarily to buy a whole aircraft, but I'm sure they can slice it up. <laughs> Figuratively speaking. Figuratively speaking, yes. I'm talking here with Managing Director of the Postcode People, David Doricott. And so far we've talked exclusively about the aircraft he's buying for Mission Aviation Fellowship, with a price ticket of over £2 million. But there's an additional million pounds being distributed to over 80 charities nominated by AFD staff members. One of the problems if you're running a charity is getting the funding. And then you can put a huge amount of work standing at the corner of a street or developing campaigns. And for most charities, they know what to do with the cash when they've got it. In fact, there's very seldom a problem of too much cash and not enough to do with it. But the effort that goes into that just saps the effort because it's often the same people who are doing the fundraising as doing the service delivery, if you want to call it that. So being able just to, at a stroke, change someone's circumstances or maybe uh, be part of the initiative that causes others to engage with a charity because you're able to put in a substantial starter fund means that you take off some of that burden and the focus then goes off fundraising onto service delivery. And that can be transformational, especially if you're really struggling with your own time, your own family time and this desperate need that never seems to be extinguished. Yeah. AFD Software has its headquarters at Mountain View Innovation Centre, a 25-acre site with some of the most breathtaking views around the north of the island. And David and Alison Doricott are gradually developing it into a conservation area of woodland and wildflowers that everyone can enjoy. Dotted around the grounds are a series of unique sculptures, each depicting a Bible verse. They're beautiful and thought-provoking, and the most recent addition, a huge circle of metal on which is hung a human form, a portrayal of the crucified Christ, is inspired by the Bible verse from John's Gospel that's at the very heart of David Doricott's own Christian belief. Yes, it's, it's even more than just raising money uh, to do good things with it, because that sculpture particularly talks about the wholeness of God's engagement with the world that he created. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the word for world in that passage, if you go back to the Greek behind your uh, New Testament scripture, is cosmos. And there's a, there's a danger that we put God and God stuff over to one side, whereas actually God loved all that he made, 
all that he made in Borneo, all that he made in Papua New Guinea, all that he made for the person who is sitting lonely and feeling suicidal, all that he made for those beautiful young children in Africa who are trapped in human slavery. And he, he cares about it, and we need to care about it because he cares about it. If we're really going to be disciples of Jesus, we have to be caring about what he cares about. And it's easy to see what he cares about in, in his teaching on earth, but also in the way that his church has engaged. So, you know, when people are running away from a difficult area, the church is often going in the other direction. And throughout history, that has been radical, incisive, and transformational to war zones, to areas of natural disaster, to areas where illness is running rampant. Christians have heard the call of God. And so we do what we do because we've caught that discipleship burden, if you want to call it that, joy is another word, which says that all that we have and all that we are, if we are going to be called by the name of Jesus, needs to be deployed for his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We think it's it's nice and reckless, joyously reckless and exuberant because if we dig into the character of God, really dig into the character of God, we don't find the grumpy old man who's telling us what not to do. We're talking about the God who is dancing over us, singing songs over us, who has a feasting program. And the, the Jewish people had feasts that lasted for a week, not for a few hours. I'm not sure how they kept up with it. But God is, is often depicted or talked about as being boring <laughs> and nothing could be further from the truth. You always manage to leave us with some kind of a challenge. It might be a challenge in something that you say, but tonight it's been a challenge in something that you've given us. This is the 40th anniversary of AFD Software, the postcode people, and you gave us all, every single person here tonight, you gave us an envelope. It contained £40. And you challenged us to go out and use that £40 to change as many lives as we possibly could. Yes, but when you do it and you realise how relatively easy it is to be transformational with money, you begin to unlock a huge torrent of joy in your own life. With £40, there's the possibility of saving several lives with simple medical interventions through charities. Or you may just give joy to a person who perhaps was having suicidal tendencies, who's had a difficult time, and your expression of love can be transformational. Two pieces of paper, £40, pound for every year we've been in business. We'd love to hear the stories, but I'll share with you, and I haven't shared with the community here tonight, because we did something similar about 10 years ago at our 30th anniversary when we gave people £30. And somebody walked up to me tonight, he said, I was here 10 years ago and you gave me £30 and I put it into a microfinance loan charity and it's now £769, having helped people all that time. Now, how wonderful is that? Just that one feedback from the people in the room 10 years ago. Isn't that amazing? David Doricott, thank you so much for being such an inspiration to us all. Bless you all. Thank you. And now it's time to welcome back Richard Littledale, author, broadcaster, retired Baptist minister and storyteller. Richard has chosen four stories from around the world, each one specifically about Christmas Day. So you might wonder why we're sharing them now, when the day itself is still quite a way off. Well, each story has a powerful message that might help us to see beyond the preparations and the pressures that can crowd out the real message of Christmas. 
A few people have told me they're planning to put up their decorations this weekend, so I thought we'd start with a story about the Christmas tree. There are all sorts of stories and explanations about why we have trees in our homes at Christmas, but this is one that I particularly love, and it comes from the Black Forest, which is where I'm going to take you now. Come with me, deeper and deeper into the heart of the forest, snow crunching underfoot, and a swish of the pine tree branches overhead. As we wend our way deeper and deeper into the forest, there is a small clearing, and in one corner is a little wood cabin, which is where our story takes place. One Christmas night, the woodcutter and his wife were inside the log cabin eating their very simple supper. There wasn't much of it because they were very poor, but they shared it with glad hearts and enjoyed the small fire in the grate that kept away the worst of the winter cold. Partway through the meal, there was a soft knock, knock, knocking at the door. They both looked at each other wondering whether they'd imagined it. But no, there it was again. A knock, knock, knock. Pushing back his rough wooden chair, the woodcutter went to the door and opened it, only to see a child standing there, barefoot in the snow. He looked thin and cold and his clothes were in rags, so straight away the woodcutter brought him in gave the child some supper, and after that gave their bed up so the child could sleep comfortably all night long. The two of them sat in their chairs instead and waited for morning to come. Now usually in the morning they were woken by the sound of birds singing or the wind rattling the branches of the trees against the window, but not this time. This time. On that Christmas morning, they were woken by the sound of singing. Beautiful, beautiful sound of angels singing. They opened the door and had to shield their eyes against the brightness of what they saw. There was a choir of angels in the sky just above their little house. And there, in the middle of them, was the child who had visited them last night. He looked so, so different now, though. He looked like Christ himself. Seeing their puzzled faces, the child smiled. I am the Christ child, he said. And you took me in, and you cared for me. With that, He plucked a branch from one of the fir trees and pushed it into the snow by the log cabin's door. There, he said, every year at Christmas time, that branch will turn into a tree that will flourish with all the fruit that you need, and the two of you will never go hungry again. And so it was. 
Every year at Christmas, that little tree would bear fruit to eat, as well as golden apples and silver nuts, and that couple never went hungry or poor again. Nor did they ever forget the night the Christ child came knocking. Thank you, Richard Littledale, and Richard will be back next week with another story from his Christmas collection. And we end now, as always, with a look at our notice board, and we'll start with events this evening. Meadowside Choral Society invites you to join them as they celebrate Advent at the Howe Methodist Chapel, tonight at half past six. The service will be followed by refreshments, there's no charge, and a warm welcome for all. Also tonight at half past six, there'll be an Advent carol service in Kirkmichael Methodist Church. Come and enjoy a sequence of music and readings by candlelight to mark the beginning of this season of Advent. The music will be from the Balagheri Ladies Ensemble, conducted by Gareth Moore, with soloist Mandy Griffin. And there'll be a Christingle service at the Cool Chapel on the edge of the Isle of Man Business Park, also tonight at half past six. Everyone is most welcome. Motor Neurone Disease Association Isle of Man invite you to their Christmas Cracker on Tuesday the 5th of December in St John's Methodist Church. Starting at half past seven, it's a light-hearted evening of music, carols, poems and readings with free entrance and refreshments and there'll be a retiring collection in aid of Motor Neurone Disease Isle of Man. Friday 8th of December is the change of date for choirs, carols and cakes. Castletown Methodist Church are hosting the Manx Children's Choir and Sheen and Millish Choir for a festive concert followed by refreshments. It's on Friday night at half past seven and entrance is £3 for adults, free entrance for children. This was originally advertised as Thursday the 7th but has been changed to Friday the 8th. Friday, December the 8th, is also the day for a tasty lunch of soup and a pudding at Port St Mary Methodist Church. It'll be served between noon and a quarter past one. The cost is £7 per person. Everyone's welcome and there's no need to book in advance. The Parish of the Northern Plain invites you to their Christmas coffee morning next Saturday the 9th in Ramsey Town Hall. Open from 10 until 12 noon, admission is £2, including refreshments. Come and listen to wonderfully seasonal music from Laxey Handbells and stalls to browse include cakes, gifts, cards and novelties and there's a raffle too. Looking ahead now to next Sunday, December the 10th, and Musicale Choir will be at Union Mills Methodist Chapel for their service next Sunday afternoon at a quarter to three. Bride Methodist Chapel invites you to their nativity service next Sunday at half past two, and that'll be followed by coffee and mince pies. And next Sunday evening, there's a candlelit carol service at Glen May Methodist Chapel. It starts at half past six and will be followed by tea and mince pies. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine with a mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications. And I'd love you to join me if you can. Till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and unhurried Advent week and a very good morning. Mm-hmm.